0: open moorlands empty moorlands without a horse and sighs in dartmoor there's been a grisly murder widows weeping farm sleeping all throughout the long night and in every newspaper you'll hear silver blaze silver blaze another crime in the country Homes, of must find the horse. Soon it will be racing day.
1: I don't remember. Uh, just, just like walking to a thing. You're not a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about truck homes. It's just like, I can do it. It's fine. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hi. I'm just No, I'm just going to. So, I'm sorry. Were you recording me the whole time <laughs> while I was doing it? Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Staying Ground, a bi-weekly podcast where I, Mike Nola, a fan but not expert of the Sherlock Holmes canon, specifically the 1980s Granada series starring Jeremy Brett and Edward Hardwood, have hoodwinked my um, ex-friend Jackson <laughs> Affleck into watching the series with me, we read the stories, and we talk about it. See, Jackson, that's how a professional does an introduction. <laughs> that's fair. They don't forget and then secretly record their friend doing it. It's, it's really that like I have the recording
0: going and then – you were just doing it, so it worked out really well. Hmm. It was not intentional malice, it was just malice, v- very useful, very useful, accidental malice. It was oopsie malice, oopsie malice, right?
1: It's the best kind of malice. Well, speaking of oopsie malice, this week we're talking about <laughs> it was weirdly a better segue than you might think for the horse one.
0: <laughs> oopsie malice is my favorite Bond girl,
1: <laughs> listeners. We cut uh, uh, a failed intro where i referenced an old episode of equalizers where i made a joke about this name being my favorite bond girl and jackson has just thrown that back in my face
0: <laughs> this is Thanks. a very antagonistic start for this episode wow um hi welcome to the silver blaze uh this one is pretty thinky. that's it Was
1: all i have Well, oh. no. <laughs> yeah uh this one is sees oh i didn't pull a synopsis
0: oh i have it oh cool uh, I was just remember the synopsis. <laughs> yeah, um, this is as always from uh, ArthurConanDoyle dot which has wild
1: summaries. Megan, if you're listening, go ahead and just put a wooden spoon between your teeth. <laughs>
0: <sighs> the disappearance of Silver plays and the assassination of
1: its coach Straker brought Holmes to Colonel
0: Ross's home the day before the tragedy. A curry dish was served, and an intruder, Simpson, solicited tips on the Wessex cup. The next day, Mrs. Straker discovers the disappearance of her husband and the horse silver blaze. Drugged, the stable hand is asleep. <laughs> on the moor, Straker and Simpson's scarf lie. According to Inspector Gregory, Simpson hoped to restore his fortune by kidnapping the favorite and betting on his rival. He stole the thoroughbred and, caught up with Straker, smashed his skull in. We found on the... (laughs) We found on the trainer a cataract knife.
1: (laughs) (coughs) Oh my gosh, Sherlock Holmes wrote this (laughs) synopsis.
0: Yeah, so we apparently found on the trainer a cataract knife and a suture's nose. Having discovered a piece of candle and a burnt match at the crime scene, Holmes explored the moor. According to him, the horse, a gregarious animal, went to the next stable.
1: (sighs) Let's just get it done, I think. All right, yeah. We'll 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 work our way through through the notes. Yeah
0: uh soon he discovers his tracks and those of brown mapleton's crooked coach seeing silver fl- silver flame <laughs> seeing silver flame he took it away <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he took it away made it up and hit it as punishment for ross's humiliating words holmes hid from him that the horse had been found but formally advised him to maintain his re- registration for the race When the day came, Ross, who was looking for his champion, shouted loudly when Holmes pointed to him for a (laughs) solid-colored... Ross shouted loudly when Holmes pointed to him for a solid-colored beast. That's meaningless. (laughs) But when Holmes washes the horse's forehead, the white star of Silver Blaze appears. Uh, (laughs) Straker. I
1: have a horse for you. You can't use that. (laughs) I
0: know, I'm so mad.
1: I mean, if you write the whole thing out, you can't. You can't use that clip. Sure. Straker, ruined
0: by his mistress, wanted to win by losing his horse. He had mixed with the dish of the
1: opium. (laughs) (laughs) The dish of the opium my favorite cross-continental train <sighs> <clears throat> I can't both bite into my
0: arm and also talk at the same time <laughs> it's a problem <clears throat> he had mixed with the dish of the opium ballet <laughs> <Undertractable. laughs> the opium ballet
1: this is the episode we're not going to top this energy <laughs>
0: What is this? This is nonsense. Um. Whew, okay. Straker had mixed with you.
1: I can do it. I can do it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I believe in
0: you. Straker had mixed with.
1: Professor Jackson had just jabbed a pin into their heart to keep from laughing.
0: God. Straker mixed with the dish of the open valet, undetectable as soon as it was curry. You you gotta finish. I'm sorry. That's I can't. Uh,
1: point to me where we are. Straker, ruined by his mistress, wanted to win by losing his horse. He had mixed with the dish of the Omienfella, undetectable, associated with curry, and when he took out the thoroughbred, the dog obviously did not bark. Striker, who had trained on sheep, was about to cut the horse's tendon with his cataract knife, and the animal gave him a no, 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 no. I can do it. I just, I had to sell her. Okay. <clears throat> Straker, who had trained on sheep, was about to cut the horse's tendon with his cataract knife when the animal gave him a deadly hustle and ran away at night. <laughs> <And so laughs> the was, honestly, that is going to be, you are going to forget half of that, but it was worth it. That was...
0: My gods. Um, so to summarize the summary, Yeah. Uh, the horse trainer had planned to Sabotaged the race to handle some gambling debts uh, by <laughs> hopping the horse in a very clever way. Uh, it got it bungled. The horse kicked him in the head, and another man was blamed for no, wh- it. No, it
1: was that. It was a mistress that he couldn't afford. Yeah, level, yeah. yeah was, there we go. He needed the money, but there,
0: yeah. Um, <clears> uh, <throat> some some lady did not realize that she was married to a man who was already married. Of course,
1: she did. Didn't care.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> I, sorry. I shouldn't deprive her of the agency of being an adulteress.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. I, I, it's it's no, no, listen. Listen. Many times I've said that I have simple tastes in men, money, heart conditions.
1: Anyway, uh, as you say, this is a thank you one. Uh, mm-hmm. This is I. I'll say I coined the term, but this is a magic trick mystery where. We watched Sherlock Holmes do Sherlock Holmes things, and then at the very end, he explains everything mm-hmm. and how it makes sense. Uh, I made a note of all the clues here, and we'll go through them quickly in a better way than the synopsis did. Uh, but, for example, the stable hand who was um, drugged, uh, they were having, like, curry mutton, and they found out he'd been drugged by a powder of opium. Uh, There's a dog that barks at everybody that it doesn't know, but it didn't bark at night. Uh, when the horse was stolen, uh, there's the cataract knife, which I actually wrote down as a glaucoma knife in my notes the first time. Good. Uh, there's a cataract knife that they find on the man. They think that he Straker tried to use it as a weapon to defend himself, but it's used for like very delicate surgery work. Um, there's a bill for the man Derbyshire, who is apparently a friend of his, and they sometimes get his mail. At least the Holmes giving the great line. And we can put it in the clip here. Of, Most men do not carry other people's bills in their pockets, which mm-hmm. is very good. Uh, and then there's the candle and the light that they found on the moor, and then Holmes at one point, which I love this bit, as he because in the story and in the book or in the in the episode, he says to Watson, this thing is it's a long shot, Watson. Like he just is outside and sees all these sheep and it's like, I bet he practice on those sheep. It's like, I say, old oh boy. Anything weird with the sheep? And the guy's like, Well, no. Three of them are weirdly lame now. <laughs> so it's like, okay.
0: <laughs> I know, I assume witches did it. I'm a simple farmhand.
1: But yeah, I, those are the clues that are kind of laid out throughout the episode in a way of like if you're paying attention and if you're looking for them and if you can find them, maybe you can hire a team. Uh, no, but if you're paying attention, you could theoretically put this one together as well.
0: Yeah, a lot of things require some jumps. But I know while watching it, there's a bit where you, who have not seen this one or read this one, um, said, "Oh, it's the sheep." And then um, I will. And then like a minute later, Holmes.
1: Yeah, I'll, say, I'll confess, it, it was about thirty seconds before he. Like, he pulled out the, the cataract knife, uh, and that's when I made the connection at the end, which, I mean, that's when he made the connection. But, no, I'm not like, I oh, immediately the sheep rhyme. Oh, he was practicing on the sheep. He was going to, you know, injure the horse. I did figure out 30 seconds before Sherlock Holmes told us the answer.
0: Right, but it still counts.
1: Yeah, and um, I saw the mice in murder, so.
0: That's true. That's true you did. But, honestly, I think any mystery that can give the delighted thrill of, oh, it's this, mm-hmm. uh, right as a, summer, a submission is happening, is a really good mystery. Um, uh, it worked.
1: Yeah, no, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, this was um, a fun mystery. I haven't—I che- meant to check and I didn't. I would probably wager this is earlier rather than later in the Holmes canon or middle of the road, maybe before the senioritis that we talked about kicks in where we get to close to the final problem when he doesn't want to be doing this anymore and then afterwards where sometimes they're just sort of like spinning three Wheel of Fortune wheels of plot murder and motivation.
0: Yep. Oh, uh, yeah, this is uh, 1982. Uh, 1892. Yeah, that's So pretty early on. Pretty early on. Right before Copper Beaches. Another good one, in fact. Yeah. And it's been adapted a lot. Like, there's like just a bunch of different versions of this. This seems like it'd
1: be a pretty easy one to adapt. I mean, the only set pieces you need are a stable, mm-hmm. a stable, some moors, and maybe a
0: horse race. But also, it looks like they're just filming at a horse race. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like that's entirely possible that they were just filming horse races. Mm-hmm. Uh speaking of horses, I know Jackson, do you want to talk about the horse did it? <laughs> yeah. Uh usually when we get to like
0: he was actually killed by his pets. That's when we know that the writer is running out of ideas. Uh CF um Basil Lerman. Nope. Uh I don't know. You have to give me the movie. I um what's uh any details. Angel Lansbury, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Murder she wrote. Yeah. Like there's a murder she wrote where the dog did it. That kind of thing. Spoilers. I'm sorry for spoiling an episode of Murder, don't know which one. Wow. Um, that's, irresponsible. that's true. So I kind of assumed this was going to be one of the, like, I'm out of ideas ones, but you're, no, you're right. Uh, this is a pretty solid one.
1: It had the energy, uh, like the crime, ostensibly the crime that we're supposed to care about ends up being what Straker was doing and not who killed Straker. Like, whole focuses in the story and in the episode a lot more on what happened to the horse and in solving that ends up solving the murder, mm-hmm. and at that point it's like,
0: eh,
1: it was a bad dude trying to like disable a horse mm-hmm. who got kicked in the head. So we should actually retell on Sherlock Holmes, the Adventure of a, What a, Ain't That a Kick in the Head? It was good until I stumbled <laughs> the punchline, but you tried. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's the murder itself becomes very much not an entity. Like throughout the episode, they're just like, oh, we, we think we've got the horse. Well, okay, did you figure out the murder? Mm, probably, and then at the end it's like oh you found my horse excellent Uh, now you should find the murder oh yeah uh, I did it was the horse it was Mm self-defense and then they immediately stop talking about that pretty much and go back to here's the entire plot of what happened
0: Mm -hmm. we do get like a minute and a half of the guy who owns the horse just kind of processing that while acting hard and it doesn't doesn't quite work. I think we needed some, like, different, like, some music in there or something.
1: <laughs> I, like, yeah, Carol Ross. I think yeah.
0: they did a good enough job, but I think um, mm-hmm. it wasn't quite enough to carry. I am processing the fact that my prize-winning horse killed one of my employees for a minute and a half.
1: I can't believe it took you a minute and a half to kill him.
0: <laughs> he probably deserves trampling him slowly. Well, that's a horrible way to die. Yeah. A thing I like about this episode a lot, actually, is... Uh, Holmes references the difference between himself and Inspector Gregory as imagination. Mm -hmm. Um, That Inspector Gregory absolutely even says, like, I'm a student of your methods, where it's a lot of, like, here's the whole hard evidence, here's what makes sense, here's what we know. And Holmes is like, that's fair, but let's imagine wider than that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's it's a cool bit because I feel like if you think of traits that you associate with Holmes, imagination is not one of them. He seems like someone who's very logical. But I think in this instance, it really tracks the idea of him being someone who can imagine every possibility and then starts wheedling down what can and can't be.
1: I think the logic and the imagination possibly go more hand in hand mm. than maybe you're giving it credit for. Because the idea that they were, they find the horse because they're sitting there on the moors and Holmes says, like, basically, it's not there. Like, it's not back at the Colonel Ross's stables. It's not here. The only other place it could be is there. So let's imagine that happened. How would that have worked out? So it's more of imagination setting up a new hypothesis of how logically that could have happened. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily like he's like inventing um, ways the crime could have happened. It's more of like okay, logically it has to be there, so let's start working on how that could have happened. Mm, yeah, I think. And Gregory is more of just like, well, we looked there and it's not there. It's like okay, but it's not anywhere else. So right. what 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 else could have happened?
0: Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's more that he. He establishes a point A and a point C, and he's like, "Well, therefore, there must be a point B, and I can imagine that point B will be over here. We have to figure out where in that over here that is." Yeah,
1: I do like Gregory in the in the episode. Gregory is like, "I'm a keen student of your methods as well," and then proceeds to be every other detective Sherlock Holmes has ever worked with. Of like, "Well, no, I already have a theory, and it's right." Okay, but no it's not. Well, okay, but it is. And here's why. And it's like, okay, but that's all circumstantial. Right, but and it's just like gets weirdly hostile after announcing I am a keen student of your methods. Okay, I'll do my methods. Wow, those are bad and I'm right. <laughs> it's just very funny to me how like hostile he seemed after being like, Oh yeah, I'm a keen student of your methods as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's a classic thing of like uh, he he thinks he's a keen student of Holmes' methods, but really he's a keen uh, student of like Holmes uh, getting results, and hmm. he, sees, he sees himself as someone who, much like the celebrated detective Sherlock Holmes, is a brilliant mystery solver. And now that he actually meets Sherlock Holmes, he's like, oh, I'm nothing like that.
1: To an extent, he has some Watson energy in this as well. Hmm. I made a note about like the shoe bag where they go to the moors, and Holmes is like, and he's like, well, here I brought you this. He opens bag and it's like one of Straker's shoes, one of Simpson's shoes, and then the horseshoe. So it's like he can parse it out. And I think maybe. Detective Greg or Inspector Gregory is less a student of the methods like like oh I'm gonna employ these myself and Mr. Holmes will be very impressed and then Mr. Holmes is not impressed at all really and it's like oh well no I am right hold on like <laughs> you should be impressed right and so oh he's just a straight white man okay never mind <laughs> yeah um,
0: <laughs> I feel like your point that he's more like Watson than Sherlock that makes a lot of sense actually because I think Watson is relatively competent at solving like. Normal crimes, however, Sherlock Holmes solves exclusively weird crimes. Like well, when Sherlock ever solve just like a normal crime.
1: I will say I'm, I'm pulling up some notes here. Give me just a second. Gregory in the story it, is a lot like he's still a little bit like pushing back. Like no, I, I I'm confident that my theory will play in front of a jury, etc. Like, but there's a line I, I quoted here. Um, he says in the story, "The net is drawn pretty closely around Fitzroy Simpson." He remarked. And I believe myself that he is our man. At the same time, I recognize that the evidence is purely circumstantial and that some new development may upset it. So he's still like, I'm pretty confident in what I've pieced together, but also like there's so much circumstance that of course something could come up that's just absolutely upsets that whole theory.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say that like forming a theory based on the evidence you have acknowledging that that there might be more evidence. It's definitely a very Sherlocky thing of like, yeah. here's the evidence we have at least for this inclusion. We'll see if we can find more evidence to fill in the gaps.
1: Can't make bricks without play. Exactly. Um, there's one last thing I want to read here, a section from the story. Uh, it's from the episode, part of the episode where Holmes is like bit by bit looking at the theory and being like, okay, so how do you explain this? Well, how do you explain that? Uh, so he says... Why should he take the horse out of the stable? If he wished to injure it, why could he not do it there? Has a duplicate key been found in his possession? What chemist sold him the powdered opium? Above all, where could he, a stranger to the district, hide a horse and such a horse as this? What is his own explanation as to the paper which he wished the maid to give the stable boy? And then Gregory says, he says that it was a 10-pound note. One was found in his purse. But your other difficulties are not so formidable as they seem. He is not a stranger to the district. He has twice lodged in Tavistock in the summer. The opium was probably bought from London. The key, having served its purpose, would have been hurled away. The horse may be at the bottom of one of the pits or old mines upon the moor. Like this guy has done his homework and he has at least thought it through. Like the episode he's just like, I'm still right. Like he doesn't have any answer to those questions. And I don't I like that Gregory in this at least like had done some homework and like Yeah. Oh, we didn't find the horse because it's In an old mine on the more he hit it there or threw it into a pit or whatever.
0: It might just be dead in a crevice somewhere. Yeah.
1: It is not necessarily infallible, but it is like, no, I've thought about that. Like, I've definitely thought about, okay, well, this is is my theory. How can I prove it? Or, like, whatever. I don't know. It's just a good bit in the story that Gregory is a little bit more on task than they give him in the show. Mm-hmm.
0: And interestingly, all of Gregory's answers make perfect sense, like throwing the key away. Yeah. Sure, you would not need that once you're like five minutes from the table. And a lot of Gregory's thoughts are what can we do that will basically wrap this up with no further questions, which I think yeah. is uh, a good like character beat. Like it's a, He's a very coherent character to me, as someone who just, just wants this to be done and over and wrapped up and case closed.
1: Uh, yeah, it's definitely the sort of answers in which no one can truly verify them like of course we're not going to be able to find the he bot in London there's thousands of them mm. I could have used a fake name or whatever like mustache yeah, yeah having a mustache already <laughs> but I, I I take your meaning that these are all answers in which oh so it's nobody's fault kind of thing like oh he's probably probably threw in one of the pits the ones that we don't know about and can't find or check okay
0: I think there's something to be said there about the way that policing often doesn't Be thorough about stuff, and we'll kind of just assume they're right based on you know their own assumptions. A lot of which are usually race based. But against horses, against horses, (laughs) exactly.
1: Uh, In this instance, specifically, because everybody in the story is
0: white. You're right. Uh, well, except the uh, nameless Romani who are in the background but never really become characters. Oh, but also, they never
1: show up. They, never,
0: they never show up. I, but at least no one really is like,
1: I'm sure the Romani did this. I will say a thing I like about that is we've seen this kind of before in the Speckled Band. Like, oh, there's a, a group of Romani on the premises and they're untrustworthy and they probably did it. And I love this. So In the story, this comes up and it's a little bit in the episode where they're like – oh, There is some new development, and Holmes kind of perks up and they're like, Apparently, there was some Romani around, and he just like rolls his eyes and kind of goes back to sit, like, back to like reclining, like, It's never that's never the answer. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, um, we did mention at the top of the episode they are using a different word for the Romani, it's not great, it's, it's the times that this was made in, and also the times that we are still living in, but yeah.
1: Let's see, uh, I'll tell you what, I have a couple more thoughts on story differences since we're still talking about Greg. And let me just hit it yeah, quickly. Um, one thing in the book that they do that I think is better than this, the show is Holmes mentions his blunder at the beginning about having figured this in the story. They've been contacting him for a couple days about, like, hey, can you come help us? Hey, do you want to come help us? And he was like, I figured they were gonna find the horse by now, so I just didn't. And it's been two days and they haven't, so like. I'm going to go ahead and go down now. (laughs) Like, they should have found that horse by now on the moor. So something's going on. And then in the episode, he's just sitting in what I refer to, and some people will get this, as crime cerebro. He's just in his room meditating, surrounded by newspapers. I didn't realize, because in the story, it's like, oh, they're all about this case. Mm. And the episode, it almost just seems like he's got the newspapers, and he's, like, meditating for the one that has the best crime in it (laughs) to, like, reveal (laughs) itself to him. Um,
0: like a tarot reader with their cards spread out, like trying to feel the energy of the crime.
1: And I like in the story that it's like, yeah, they, they tell, they sent me a telegram about it going missing. And I was like, they're going to find it by tomorrow. It's a big more like, I can't hide It's been two days. It's like they sent him a telegram on Tuesday and he wants to head out Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. So it's like what's like, it's Thursday morning, Holmes. He's like, Yeah, I really thought they were gonna find it. <laughs> like, it is very funny. Holmes just seems like I know what I did about it. I'm so sorry. Like I wrote that they were gonna find the horse and they didn't, and we have to go right now. <laughs> the crime's getting cold, I didn't realize. Yeah. Uh, like, he's like I have to pee dance at the door.
0: What's Watson, Well not to solve a crime.
1: <laughs> it has got a leash for other purposes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the last thing I had was, oh, this is a bit small bit. <clears throat> and this is maybe a little bit more about Jeremy Brett than the differences. But in the story, Holmes is sitting in the, in the carriage with the watch in his hand, timing the telegraph wire poles about mm-hmm. how fast they're going. In the store, or in the show, he's standing in the very narrow hallway with the watch in the palm of his hand, like <laughs> studying it minutely. I have to believe that's Jeremy Brett's weird energy this season coming out, where he's like, No, I'm going to stand in the very small hallway. Mm-hmm.
0: Actively blocking people around me who mm-hmm. are not having a good time with my
1: proving how smart I am for no reason. Yeah, just like trying to figure out how fast the train's going. Uh huh. I don't, that's the other one. It's not a big, like, and I have more thoughts about that. I just, knowing that Jeremy Brett was. In a vibe this season, especially early this season, and that he had some ideas about things he could do, and just seemed to want to kind of fuck around. I was like, I almost guarantee that this was his idea for sure.
0: Okay. I will say the bit with him <clears throat> figuring out how fast the train is going seems like uh Sir Arthur Conan Doyle just had an idea for a thing and wanted to shove it in somewhere. It doesn't need to be here. This was a life hack that he was
1: <laughs> that he was introducing.
0: And I'm the kind of person who loves to do like. Math when I'm bored and driving, so I get it. Uh, speaking of newspapers,
1: uh, as we were a moment ago, you have some fun <coughs> facts about them. Sure. So in the episode, um, after Holmes comes back from blocking on carriage to prove how smart he is, um, Watson's reading this like pink newspaper. And he says something with a clip in here about like that odd, that colored new oddly colored newspaper or something like that. So I looked this up and about that time, pre-radio, these were sports papers. Each edition of the newspaper had their own. They were differently colored. Uh, The most popular, uh, the sports pink and green were the most common ones. Um, And pre-radio, this was actually the way that a lot of people got their sporting news, like how they found out who won a match if they weren't there, things like that. They'd have racing tips information. So, This was interesting. I was wondering why Watson was reading out of this pink newspaper what the significance was. So I looked it up, and this is a fairly accurate thing at the time. So I don't know if this was somebody's idea of like, let's have a fun little nod, because in the story it doesn't reference it. Actually, in the in the story, Holmes just tells him all the information that's on that newspaper in the exact wording that Edward Hardwick uses while reading the paper, which explains why it sounds like the worst written news story I've ever read in my entire life. Well, this synopsis is But uh, I just thought it was neat that they did that and then it was somewhat factually correct that at that time this was by and large how people got sporting news if they weren't at any of the events.
0: Mm-hmm. There's some dramaturge who like found out, like, ooh, I can include this.
1: The pink pit or the sports pink. Yes. <laughs> the pink pit. <laughs> Cut that. Oh. Maybe that's where they hit the horse.
0: Hmm. Uh, yeah. There's a bit I like that's in the episode that I. I, I might have been in the in the story, but I missed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holmes and Watson are talking to Inspector Gregory, and uh, Holmes is asking for you know who like who was in what location, what did you find, how far is it from here to there, whatever. Um, Inspector Gregory gives him some stuff, the clearly at a dead end. Watson gives, what kind of man is Simpson? And mm-hmm. it's a really good bit of like Holmes focusing on the logical details that are objectively true, whereas Watson is trying to understand the people. I understand like the personhood of the of those involved to better inform the case. Uh, it's a good like dynamic. I like it.
1: That also neatly ties in with the last bit of the story that I really enjoyed. And this is a bit where this isn't in the episode. Holmes is talking about how reading the newspapers about this has started him off almost on a back foot. Uh, And he says, It is one of those cases where the art of the reasoner should be used rather for the sifting of details than for the acquiring of fresh evidence. The tragedy has been so uncommon, so complete, and of such personal importance to so many people, that we are suffering from a plethora of surmise, conjecture, and hypothesis. The difficulty is to detach the framework of fact, of absolute undeniable fact, from the embellishments of theorists and reporters. Then, having established ourselves upon this sound basis, it is our duty to see what inferences may be drawn and what are the special points upon which the whole mystery turns. On Tuesday evening, I received... Okay, then he goes on to think about having received from Colonel Ross. Um, He gives every detail that we know about the case up to the point where they get to the stables and then ends with, There you have it all in a nutshell, Watson. And if you can give me any light, I shall be infinitely obliged to you. And I like that he ends... A long rambling rant about inferences and theories to ask Watson his opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a we've had these before where um, the mystery isn't so much finding the clues as finding which clues are important, mm-hmm. uh, which you know, a fun variant. Um, and it's also a good another example of why Watson is here because Holmes has too too much data and he needs someone to help, like uh, like help him shake the.
1: The data sifter,
0: yeah. Shake the data sifter to see like what, um, <laughs> what sediment falls through.
1: Yeah, I, um, I just, it's a neat bit of a guy, he goes on his long rant about how too many people have theorized about it and then immediately asks his best friend's opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, I just i think it's cool, it's very sweet. But that's really the last that I had other than monographs here. I don't think I had anything else.
0: Yeah, I'll look at monographs. Yeah. I'm good. Um, Sweet bit in an episode, uh, a maid is crying and Holmes like, puts out a hand. He mm. did a sympathy. Good job.
1: What the fuck is up with that scarf that he pulls slowly across his cane? I, I don't know. That's I mean, that's it. That's the extent of my monograph. I don't have an answer either. A <laughs> uh, monograph I had that I always like when this series specifically, but um, any series... Has Watson be useful in the fact that Watson is a doctor uh, when they pull out the cataract knife? This is more your line of work, doctor. And hands it to him for like, what is this? Tell us about that. Like, not like oh, I, of course, know what this is. It's like, yeah, you're the doctor. What is it? Give us the information. Mm-hmm. I always enjoy that.
0: Very small bit, but when Holmes is in his crime cerebro, he comes out to the living room and there's just bubbling chemicals on the table. That's deeply unsafe, Holmes. Don't don't leave chemicals just out
1: there. Ian and Watson were huffing the devil's foot in the last episode. So.
0: There's got to be a better way to phrase it. Nope.
1: That. That's it. That's <laughs> the best way. Uh, this one I wrote down as monograph here. This is I put it the second sponge. <laughs> uh, second time we've had a sponge reveal the mystery. Holmes <laughs> giving a sponge. Away. This one weird like. Thankfully, I'm going weirdly, thankfully less a rock than the first. Right,
0: Correct, he's sponge bathing the horse that had been covered in just the forehead. Let's, yeah. let's be so It's just the forehead right.
1: to reveal the, the white star on Silver Blaze's forehead. Mm.
0: I'm not sure if the summary really got into it very clearly, but someone had it like, <laughs> someone had, like uh, covered him with tar or paint or makeup, whatever, to hide him. I will say. If I had a horse that did not have distinctive features, I would lose that horse very quickly among other horses. I am not good at recognizing animals. Uh-huh. I get it. Um, <laughs> good at recognizing people. Oh, right. I'm face blind but it applies to horses, too. Yeah, horses have faces. That's true. This is incredibly minor, but Holmes tells Inspector Gregory to consider the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime, and Rick re- says, the dog did nothing. Holmes says, yes. Uh, which, good bit. Also, uh, name of a play that was very well loved for a while i i don't have thoughts about it. i haven't seen it but that's where it comes from yay trivia i, uh,
1: I do like that scene in the show because the guy who plays cross does a great job he's in the carriage and he's just like grumpy that they're leaving because they haven't really done what he wanted them to do mm. and holmes asks about the shooting and says like i would draw that the that, the whatever this epidemic of the sheep to your attention and the guy's like what <laughs> and he's like we just like, okay, yeah. Anything else? He's like, yes, yeah, the mysterious encounter with the dog at that time. Like, the dog didn't do anything! Like, it's just this growing, like, what are you talking... You and I were talking, and I love the idea of Holmes just to mess with people will say weird, <laughs> ominous stuff like that. Like, I'll draw your attention to the maroon dagger. And they're like, what? He like, just taps his nose and moves along or whatever, just mm. to, like...
0: No one in the papers has noticed the eyebrows of the stable hand.
1: Yeah. Uh. I... That and we talked to you and i think the second no in six napoleons which i will have by now re-released so you can hear all oh, the audio uh didn't know this jackson i uploaded the six Napoleons with i think just my audio <laughs> uh all re-released that by now but we talked about a bit where they go up to the front steps and holmes like oh they watch the steps interesting and like they go in it ends up being relevant but there's a crowd outside and they all kind of Ooh, look at the steps and i love the idea of if there's a crowd Holmes just stops and is like Odd-numbered windows. Make a note of that, Watson. And they go outside. And they're like, oh, odd number windows. Look at that. I mean, like, everybody outside is like, they'll leave him alone now because they've got something to, like, to work on. <laughs> like, that's some mystery to chew on. Yeah, but, um, um, yeah, I just like Holmes saying weird, ominous stuff for no reason.
0: This is the second episode in a row where Holmes, like, gives all the clues to the police, but is like, mm, solve it as you can. Answer <laughs> my riddle. Answer <laughs> my riddle, Bruce Wayne. <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll tell you where somewhere places if you subscribe to my Patreon. We've got a new pledge tier just under was it five thousand pounds, and I'll tell you where your son
0: is. <laughs> yes, it's one third.
1: All right. Well, uh, if you don't have any more monographs, then it's time to move on to our final segment here. Must clash. Must clash. I mean, it has to be Gregory, right? Um,
0: there's two for me. There's uh, Gregory. Pretty. He's. He has. An amount of facial hair. It's not a bad amount, per se, but... That's Mrs. Hudson. <laughs> but consider John Straker. Look at that yeah, mustache. Look okay. at look how distinguished that mustache is. That's a porn star mustache, but like a yeah. well-paid porn star mustache.
1: I just love how bushy... It's like a very bushy red mustache, and then mm. a very thin line of a chin beard. Like, it's very distinctive. I... I don't dislike strikers, we have discounted mustaches like that before Mm. in favor of less distinctive facial hair. That's true. And he, it is more noticeable. I'll give you that. I mean, it's, I'll say this, it might be a moot point. We can pick the winner for the Square books. Do either of them beat Dr. Leon Sterndale?
0: None of them have a sh- have an absolute shelf. <laughs> shelf. To
1: quote my sister, we can put the quote in of
0: her using the phrase exactly, but honestly, that is a wonderful phrase for that beard. I just I will never
1: not be thinking of an absolute shelf. So for posterity's sake, I'm gonna vote for Inspector Gregory. Yeah, I'll look go. So the winner of the Silver Blaze is Inspector Gregory, but he falls in the in the marathon to <laughs> Dr. Leon Sterndale. Okay, now I'm imagining Musclash as an actual foot race between all of these characters. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Ferris, get on it. <laughs> uh, well, now that we have
0: mustache out of the way, anything you want to plug?
1: Yeah, I do a podcast with my friend and co-host Madison Jones called the Equalizers where we take movies that never got a sequel or prequel either because they're very good and they don't need one or they're very bad and they don't deserve one and we give them uh, sequels. As you're hearing this, I don't know what would be out. You can hear any of our back catalog. We will definitely have released um, the Great Gatsby, 2, The oldest sport. You can go far back. You can listen to How to the Duck, Love and Thunder, uh, Come Monday, our yesterday sequel about Jimmy Buffett. Uh, we have Bedknobs and Broomsticks, Golem Eye, uh, the, Hillary, the Hillary the Lizzie McGuire movie, Who Done It, which I had to make a murder mystery where somebody died. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Step into Pop Ragnarok, which what? is based on a commercial, oh, not right. even a movie.
1: Uh, Yeah, that was. You can listen to the episode and hear about the weird bookkeeping snafu there. Uh, you can also listen to that thing you do, colon Gold Guys, which featured my sister and last episode's guest, Megan Knoll, uh, where she created essentially a new era of Golden Girls, but featuring the wonders from that thing you do. <laughs> it's very fun. You can check them all out there everywhere online by searching the equalizers.
0: Uh, With that, where are we headed next week?
1: Next week, we're going somewhere called Osteria Lodge.
0: Ah, yes. The Lodge. The
1: Lodge.
0: <laughs> Rare to meet thy girl.